thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. So that list of good things that release from fears, and perhaps you're here today and you've got some anxieties, some what-ifs, those good things release from sin. You've been carrying a load of guilt uh, the finding of rest, and some of you are just already exhausted in this season, and some of you need to find the hope that it's going to be all right. Some need to find that joy, and some just need to be delivered. Those things, we say, sign us up, and, and the song tells us where those come from, not from us, but it said, 
by thine all-sufficient merit, talking about whom? Talking about Jesus, that Jesus brings you that gift, those things. Now, that's one view of Christmas. Here's another view of Christmas. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. To town. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. Coming to town. He knows if you've been, when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, whatever that is. He knows if you've been bad or good. Good enough. Now, see, there's the problem. Not only do I not know the words, but the problem is this, that I'm really bad at being good for goodness sake. It's already started this Christmas. Last Tuesday, Pam and I carried out of our garage all the Christmas decorations and put them around the dining room table and on the dining room table. And, and, and what you need to know about Pam is Pam is an artist in her own right. She, she sees a room, and, and, and that really is her blank canvas. And then all the Christmas decorations are the colors that she's going to splash into that room. And, and she just starts creating in her head. She just, she just sees it. And, and so you need to understand me, about me that I'm a paint-by-numbers guy. Show me where you want it, I'll put it there. So I said to her, what's your plan? She said, what plan? I said, well, you got to have a plan on how this, no. What do you mean you don't have a plan? What are you going to do? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I'm just going to see it, I'm going to do it. I said, that's so weird. <laughs> so she said, first we got to put the tree in the right place, so let's put the tree here. Nah, I don't see it. Let's put it over there. I said, well, if you put it over there, then we've got to move the furniture. <laughs> yeah. So we move all the furniture. There. Nah, I don't see it. <laughs> now what? Well, let's put the tree over there. But if we move the tree, we're going to have to move the furniture. Uh-huh. So we move all the furniture. <sighs> nah, don't see it. So we move all the furniture. Mm, not yet. Don't see it. So then we put the tree over here, and we move the furniture. All right, now I see it. You know where it is? Right where we started. <laughs> she got to see it. I got to feel it. So then she starts taking stuff, and, and anything that doesn't match what she's starting to see, she starts throwing back in the bins, only I've got the bins labeled, but she doesn't care. So stuff's going in the wrong bins. I've said, what's in the wrong bins? She said, it doesn't matter. It's going to get all back. Everything's fine. I said, the universe is going to be off kilter. Put them in the right bins. So Wednesday morning, she says to me, because we're only, we're like a third away through this thing. She said, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, I just, whatever you need. And she, now she said this to me. She said, why don't you go out and do something you want to do? Don't come home till late tonight. I said, what? She said, you are so grumpy. <laughs> so? 
The truth is that even though she felt that way, Tuesday night, she gave me a kiss goodnight. Wednesday morning, she still loved me. Wednesday night, we still hung out together. And the place looks beautiful. And she still, in spite of my grumpiness on Tuesday night, she still head over heels in love with me, and I can't figure that out. She, she still is my, my greatest fan, and I, don't, I can't figure that out. She, she still wants to hang with me. She still wants to be with me. She's for me, not against me, and it's not because I've been good for goodness sake. It's because her love invites me in. So whether it's Adam and Eve in the garden or Jack Reisner in his half-decorated house on a Tuesday night, most of us really lack the skills to be good for goodness sake. So with our anger issues and our stubborn addictions, our harassing guilt, our paralyzing fear, our reoccurring failures, our inability to be good, sometimes we wonder if we'll ever get invited back home. But here's the message of Christmas. Even in our failure, we get to hang out with God. He's still head over heels in love with us. He is our biggest fan. See, your picture is on his screensaver. You know those SUVs that have all those little stick figures in the back that represent the family? You ever seen those? God drives a really big SUV. <laughs> and you're on the back. He's not against us. He's for us. And not because we're good for goodness sake, but because his love invites us in. And Christmas just screams this. It just screams it loudly. God is for us because he never gave up on us. Never. Our daughter Christy, as of today, is 23 weeks and two days into her pregnancy. And Pam has this, this app on her phone that tells us what the baby's doing now at this moment in this growth and what's happening to Christy's body. And so... We know that, that today that the baby is a little over one pound and, and a little longer than 11 inches. We know it's about the size, they say, of an eggplant, but hopefully prettier. <laughs> we know that the skin is still rather transparent so that you can see, you can st still see that the bones and the organs and in the next days or so in the weeks, the fat is gonna start forming in the baby and soon you won't be able to see those organs. And we also know that the baby now recognizes mom's voice. And so about four weeks ago, Pam was, was back in Colorado where Christy lives and, and was hanging out with her and felt the baby kick. So Pam is so pumped. She is just so excited, but yet disappointed because Jesse and Christy decided they're not going to know the gender of the baby till the baby's born. <laughs> but see, Pam doesn't like that because she doesn't know which clothes to buy. I love that. So already in Pam's mind, She's creating ways to spoil that baby. 
and already in her heart, she's begun to write the life of that child. So what, so what happens? How's she going to feel when the time comes that the baby has a, has a royal tantrum? When that, when that child rebels against authority? When that child messes up on a math test? What, how's she going to feel about that? The same way that the mom is going to feel and the same way that God feels about you today. For through the prophet, God said this in Isaiah 49, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands and your walls are continually before me. At the time of this writing, Israel had, had rebelled and rejected God over and 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 over. They had, had so rejected him that he pulled themselves out from underneath his protection, and therefore they were invaded by the Babylon kingdom, Babylonian kingdom. And so they came in, and it was a horrific event. Thousands upon thousands were killed women, children, warriors, men. They, they took thousands and, and took them in captivity and took them back to a very profane land, into a land that was just horrific for them. And they left the country in shambles, and the walls had been crushed. But please understand that God does not forget us, even in our mess, even in the mess that we created. See, you sit here today and you say, boy, you just have no idea how I messed up my family, how I messed up my life, how I messed up my job, how I messed up my relationship with God. I have just nothing left. It's just, there's no hope for me. It's too late. Are you kidding me? Did you, just, did you just read this? He said, I have taken you, you, you in the mess, you like Israel who had just totally rejected him and walked away from him and worshiped foreign gods and even sacrificed their children. Those people, he says this, I have tattooed you on the palm of my hand so that I see you every moment, even in your mess and in your rejection and in your rebellion, I see you because my love never fails. But not only do I have your picture, I have your plan because you see broken down walls, but I see walls already completed. I see a new city. I see a new temple. I see your new life. I already have it created. I have your restoration already planned. Yeah, but you don't know my mess. Oh, I do know your mess. But your mess is not greater than my love. And your broken down walls are not greater than my restoration. You want proof? I'll give you proof. God is for us because he came to us. We didn't have to come to him. He came to us. So it was a couple of Christmas seasons ago that Pam and I were eating at a Mexican restaurant, which may come as a surprise to some of you, but I do eat Mexican food. <laughs> so we were at the cash register checking out, and Pam is a collector of nativity sets. She told me this year that she only has six up. So we noticed a nativity set in the corner, and, and 
they had, all the, they had all the characters. They had Mary and Joseph, and they had the wise men, and they had the shepherds, and, and they, they had the angels, and they had the animals, and the whole, and the whole thing, the crush was there. It was, it was really nice. And, and, the, and the characters are about this tall, you know, four, four inches, five inches tall. Nice set. Except, I kid you not, Jesus was about a foot long. I'm not kidding you. We looked at him and said, whoa, giant Jesus, look. Huge Jesus, all these, then boom, Jesus. And it reminded us that it was obvious who the center of attention was in that nativity scene. Giant Jesus. And shouldn't that be Christmas? Shouldn't it be that there is no doubt that Jesus has arrived, that Jesus has shown up. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior, circle that, has been born to you. He is Christ, circle that. The Lord, circle that. For this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. See, I hear people say, I really like Thanksgiving better than Christmas because it's less hassle and, and, and it's just more relaxed and, and, and you just get the food and the friends and it's just, it's just, it's just a better deal. I have, I have an idea why that is and I want to propose to you it's this. It's because we made Jesus smaller. Because when we make Jesus smaller at Christmas, we begin to forget. We, we begin maybe not to believe anymore that he showed up. So we gotta look for Jesus. Because Jesus came to be a power. He said he shall be called Lord. The word Lord is, is the Greek word kurios, which means supreme in authority, that there is no one with greater authority. This baby is Lord. You will not find anything under the earth, on the earth, or over the earth that has greater in authority and power than this one. On July 4th this year, scientists created their own fireworks by declaring they had discovered what they had called the God Particle. Using the 17-mile circular long Hadron Collider, what they started doing was that they were able to smash atoms into smaller and smaller pieces in order to get an idea of what holds all those atoms together on the way to creating objects of mass. So it'd be, it'd be like this. It'd be like John Hamilton getting out here at 1130 so we can get down to Olive Garden before anybody else shows up. But because he is so popular, as he starts to dash out those, those that, that, that quarter right there, you all crowd around him and more and more people want to see John and suddenly there's this mass of all his fans crowding around him so John cannot move any further. He is just stuck. They said, there's the God particle, the thing that's holding it all together right there, the thing in the center. This is the glue that holds the universe. This is the first particle in the Big Bang Theory. This is the first cause of everything. We think we found it. See that baby? When God said, I'm going to show up, he did not create and make himself some ethereal ghostly concept. 
but he made himself out of lots of real atoms. God didn't step back from our, our messed up lives and say, ooh, don't want to get corrupted by that. Ugh. Instead, he showed up in flesh to be personal, to be intimate, and to be material. The part the scientists are looking for is not inside the baby. That part is the baby. For Paul said this, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus is the God particle. But he's not only here to create life, but he's here to hold it together. See, that's always been the plan. When you and I were messing up, creating messes in our lives, Jesus was coming to put it all back together again. That's always been the story. It's always been what has been woven through God's story for us. That's always been the intent of this God who is for us. not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman. There is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac, the son of laughter, of grace, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us all. There is a true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. There is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them. There is a true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. There is a true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives us water in the desert. There is a true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. 
The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus. So those who understood that common thread said, we're waiting for him. He's called the Messiah, the anointed one. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Their cry was, come thou long expected. But what they got wasn't what they expected. What they expected was a king throwing out the trash and exalting their nation. What they got was a servant rescuing the trash and exalting his kingdom. See, Jesus was the Messiah and he came to keep a promise. Pam and I spent an afternoon in an African city with street children. These kids, thousands of them, are there because their parents have died from the AIDS virus, or they themselves have contracted and carry the AIDS virus, and therefore they're kicked out of their home. They try to find places to live and they hang out together and you, you'll see them and, and, and many of them, even preteen, will be selling their bodies so that they can have something to eat. You'll see them and most of them will be carrying plastic bottles or cartons and they'll be sniffing because they sniff glue to be able to deaden the pain that they feel and the fear they feel at night. In Nairobi, there's 200,000 of them, about the size of Erie and its surrounding townships. 200,000. I want to show you one child, he's age 12. His name is David, he's been on the street since age four. Something inside of him, I'm sure, saying, I need help, and, and I think God interprets that as come thou long expected, because I need somebody. So God sends some folks into the garbage dump and they find him. And they take him to a place called Kenya Kids. And for the first time in his life, he has a hot shower. Never had that before. And three meals a day. And safety. Protection. They find him his first night there sleeping on the floor, although he has a bed, and they wake him up and say, why aren't you sleeping in the bed? And he says, I've never slept in a bed before, and besides, I don't want to get it dirty. They reassure him that the pajamas he's wearing and the... And the, the 
the blanket on the bed, and the bed itself now belongs to him, and no one can take that from him. He looks around and he says this, Miss Shirley, when I lived down the street, I heard people talk about a place called heaven and that it was more beautiful than anything you could ever imagine. Is this heaven? She said, no. But in these next days, I'll tell you how you can make sure you end up there. See, you think you've gone too far. You think you've gone too far to get back the love that you desire or to find the destiny that you know you were designed for. You just think you've gone too far. See, Jesus is not only Lord and, and a coming promise. Jesus is, the word said, a Savior. If you're a firefighter, you don't wait till the fire goes out to see if anybody's okay. You charge into the fire. If you're a Marine, you don't leave anybody behind. You don't wait till the war is over, and then, and then you, you go in and see if anybody's left. If you're a savior, you don't wait till the mess is over to see who survives. You go into the mess and free the people who are in the mess from the mess. So you're in this mess today, and you say, there's just nothing I can do. Jesus is rescuing you right now if you let him. He cares that much. And the thing about, about Jesus is this, that when he saves us, it's not partial. He doesn't, he doesn't rescue us and say, okay, now I got you out of there. Now be good for goodness sake. Because we're, we're really not good at that. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Raise us to thy glorious throne. See, when he rescues you from your mess, he's taking you home. He's taking you to the place that, and, and, and the, the, the kingdom you've never really experienced before. You get to, to enjoy him and enjoy his stuff, the stuff we don't deserve. It's the same for, for David. The people that went to rescue him took him back to Kenya Kids, and, and in Kenya Kids, you stay in that home safe and secure until age 18. Or until they can find a family member who will take you back and keep you safe, or a, your tribe that will take you back. Those children who at one time had no one, who were just living off of the streets, living in the garbage dump, sniffing glue, selling their bodies, are now clothed, they're now fed, they're sent to high school and given the opportunity to go to university. Today, David's graduated from university. And he wants, and he's preparing himself to be a pastor so that he can tell them that he experienced the same thing, that Jesus is our power, Jesus is our promise, Jesus is our Savior, that God is for us. So this Christmas, please push back the commercialism. As Pastor John said earlier, find the margins, the white space. Find that place. Let's spend less. Let's give more. Let's love all. Let's worship fully. Let's remember that, his, that your picture, your face is on his palm. It's tattooed there. 
and that he has a plan for your restoration. And let there be no doubt that who's the center of attention. And let there be no doubt that Jesus has shown up. And let's worship him.
Can we do this? Could you stand, please? And I just think it would be so appropriate, and we hadn't planned on doing this, but I just think it's so appropriate. It's such a beautiful song. John, can you take us back to the chorus? You guys, Kat and, and Brennan, come back and, and lead us in this. And, and it's easy song. It's easy chorus. Would you, would you sing that, and would you make that your declaration to him as we begin into this Christmas season? And I know we're already really into it, but it'd be a good time for us to back up again and say, well, what are we doing? And would you make this your declaration? And then I have one more thing to say to you before I dismiss you, but lead us in that chorus and join with them and let's sing this together. You are magnificent, eternally wonderful, glorious this morning want to know more about connecting with him so that you can find this release from your anxieties and release from your sin release from your, your fears first of all right now all you need to do is just say Jesus I want to put my faith in you would you, would you, would you do that for me would you guide me if, you, if you've got my face on the palm of your hand and you've got a plan for me I want that plan so if you came with somebody that worships here, just say, how do I do that? They'll, they'll help lead you through that or get you to one of us and we'll talk to you about it or stop by the information desk in the back and just say what Reisner was talking about. I want to know more about it. And they'll give you a guide. They'll give you a gift to get you going through there and just say what Reisner was talking about. I want to do that. Secondly, I want to just say to this community of faith, you know that we have a tradition of giving at Christmas. And we've, we've walked through this series these last couple of weeks and we know that there's this thing called the tenth part that, that God said belongs to him, a tenth of our income that we give to the community of faith so we can take care of each other. And then he says out of that nine-tenths, you're going to find places I want you to, to take what you already have, out of, take what you have out of that nine-tenths and give it so you can help other people. He said, freely you have give, free, freely have received, freely give. And so we do that, especially at Christmas. And, and so in the past, we've, we've put water wells in villages that, that had no clean water and people were dying. And we've supported people who are getting kids and, 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 and young adults out of harm's way and out of trafficking throughout the world. We've done that. I'd like us this year to focus as a group on these Kenya kids. It takes $900 to get one child off the streets and in, into a school and have the protection that that child needs. 
I'd like us to at least get 10 kids off the street this year, at least. So I'm going to invite you to join with Pam and me, and, and you can even actually just do it off your phone online. There's a spot, and I think we have a link for you, or from home, or bring it on the next Sundays. But on Christmas Eve, we're definitely going to take an offering specifically for that. But we'd like to get as many kids off those streets as we can. You say, but we got kids in Erie we need to take care of. We got kids everywhere around the world we got to take care of. So we're going to focus on those this year, and we invite you. Some of you can take care of one kid, at least one kid. Some of you say, I don't have much at all, but you with other people who don't have much can take care of one kid. Because those kids need to know that Jesus is their promise and Jesus is their rescuer and Jesus is their power. They need to know that God is for them. So I pray over you now. And may you, in this Christmas season, find the richness of an intimacy with the one who came for you. May you release your guilt into his hands and find your freedom. May you release your anxiety and and your fear and find the hope that he brings to you. And may you find coming out of you a generosity to give to others so that you walk where he walks and experience him as you give as he gives. And may you find a slow pace and a sweet beauty and loving friends and family. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas.